right, we're back here at 712 with Paul Mounds, a former chief of staff of Governor Lamont. And, you know, first of all, Paul, it's, it's really good to see you. And yes, I, I haven't had many opportunities to talk with you in, in, in the, the crossovers that, you know, my wife works at Loomis Chafee, where you graduated from. I think you, would, you were the commencement speaker yeah, last spring. Yeah, just, just this past year. And, uh, and obviously my life is there. You know, I'm, I'm the Chafee hockey coach there. Which is, you know, we're terrible, but that's fine. Um, so it's just good to make that connection finally. I mean, we, we run in similar circles, but you've been quite busy for a couple of years. So I want to take a step back, even though you chimed in with us before. And you'd be shocked at how quickly these things go, these yeah. hours. But um, can you just tell people what, I, I mean, I, I still, I've worked through this over the years, but what is a chief of staff? Because when people think of chief of staff, they almost think about it as an administerial job, yeah. but but it isn't. So, I mean, what is the job? It's it's a lot of things. One, it's an air traffic controller in terms of understanding what's going on in the various agencies and, and making sure that it's all staying within the realm of what the direction that the governor wants. It's a gatekeeper, um, making sure... Uh, so you, people of, go see the... want to talk to the governor, they go through you. Yes, yes, and... And believe me, there, there's those who definitely wanted to try to go around me and things of that sort. So you have to put systems in place to to make sure that you're you're funneling information appropriately to to the governor. So one, he's able to make the best decision, and and two, I'm a big believer in this theory of decision fatigue, and you try to manage uh, what are the important decisions that have to go there, and what are the ones that are not to the level uh, of the governor based upon urgency and timing and such. Well, we'll get to the pandemic a little later, because but this question sort of tangentially relates to it. how do you know what to do? Yeah. It's not like you take a class on it and no. you didn't. I mean, you got to watch for a little while as the gentleman before you for yeah. like a year. But I mean, how do you know? Well, I, you just I, all instinct. It's not just all instinct. You have to take back um, your uh, your various professional experiences and life experiences beforehand. So I was lucky enough to start working in public service at the age of nineteen years old under uh, State Representative Melody Curry, and then eventually did a ver- many various jobs. And I saw I was allowed to, I was able to see uh, the good of chief of staffs, the bad of chief of staffs, but also just in terms of how your processes and decision makings are, are made. I think the biggest thing that I wanted to instill was processes and procedures uh, that uh, provided continuity for how best that we can serve the people of Connecticut and serve the governor. Uh, directly as a staff. Did you have a mentor in this? Like, would there something like because you're the last stop for a lot of this? Yeah. I mean, did you have someone you could confide in to get sort of insight and advice, or like, yeah. how did you? How did you? Who are your sounding board? Yeah. So, you, and here's the thing: um, information is currency in, yeah. in a lot of ways. So you have to be very protective on who you talk to and make sure they're trusted people. So I've had people in my past life, uh, people who I used to work for, who I. Uh, trusted and being able to just throw ideas and say, hey, am I thinking about this the right way um, or, or such? And uh, they gave me some great advice, and you, you have to take it and see if it's the right way. And if it's not, then you course correct quickly. But I, there are people that I leaned on greatly during this time. So, I mean, when you first – I mean, was there ever you, – you're a pretty self-assured person, but when you first took it, you're, were you like, was there ever a holy cow? Or during the pandemic, was there ever like, oh, what, I, am, what am I, what am I oh, doing? Oh, I was, I can't, I'm not going to curse, but I was scared, as you can probably guess, for blankless, blankless yeah. in certain ways. Um, my first day on the job, I was sitting in the chair. I was nearly had a panic attack of becoming a, the chief of staff and sitting in the chair at doing our first staff meeting. Um, 
but I think the one thing I took a, lo- a lot of lessons from my athletic time is like yeah. when you are in those kind of moments of, of fear, uh, you don't stop. You keep running forward. And so um, I just knew that what was the mission that we needed to accomplish, and I was best serving the people of Connecticut and moving Connecticut forward. You know, I never had a job that important, but I will say that my – and I played college hockey. Not yeah. I was not as successful at hockey as you were at football at Trinity, but I would say that being an athlete helped me – with live television because I just knew I had a lot of experience feeling pressure and you yeah. just know how to compartmentalize yeah. it and slow your heart rate down. Yeah. And it's really true. It's extremely true. And I, I played a hard position in college football of cornerback where right. if you make a mistake, it's magnified. Uh, if you do well, people don't really notice, notice it. Correct. And so um, I, I learned very quickly about how to put things into perspective um, to to really calm myself down, to focus, to be able to – be ready to make decisions. All right, we're back here with Paul Mounts. We're having a good conversation off mic, which is always the case. Um, you know, we have a lot of things in common to talk about. And I, I didn't know you were such a big hockey fan. Oh, I love hockey. I'm, I, you I, wish you had played. I, I wish I, I played. I wish I learned how to skate. I was, As I was telling you, I was a huge Colorado Avalanche fan growing up. Um, and my son is now loves watching hockey, so I definitely got to get him on some skates and and get them out there. But. You should bring them down on Sundays. We have open skate at Loomis. You said, we'll talk about oh, it. You could just God, bring them yes, out there and, t- and tool around. Uh, there's a lot of little kids out there, too, so it's safe. We'll get some helmets for you. We'll take care of that. Uh, we're talking with Paul Mounds, uh, former chief of staff for Governor Lamont. I, you know, I wanted to go back to the – I got here. I moved to Connecticut in 20 – I don't know, 19 or 18 mm-hmm. or 19, and I was working in Boston still. I was commuting, doing TV still. And I started here, I believe – right as 2020 started and right when the pandemic hit i mean i was in mexico on vacation with my family and we were worried we weren't going to be able to get home and like mm-hmm. three days after we got home everything like locked down yeah. and how much how long had you been into the job when the pandemic started six days okay. well, chief of staff for six days so you weren't named chief of staff like for, because of the pandemic no. you would just moved into that role just random so you got yeah. that was a Wow, so that was a thunderous slap, wake up. Couldn't think of a better introduction to the talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, six days, and I will never forget it. I was in the, we were having a meeting at the governor's residence, um, and we get a, I get a call from Department of Public Health saying that we had our first case at Danbury Hospital. We get the governor there. As I'm driving home, I'm like, here we go, because um, you saw what was happening overseas and, and in Asia and you, you had a you, sense of the scope of it potentially. Yeah. We, there were, there was prep and that we, we have already done, um, uh, internally, uh, to kind of prepare. Uh, but even, even the preparations that we had didn't really take into account the scope of what the, the issues were going to be. Now looking back, it's so weird because the positivity rate today, right now, was even maybe even higher than when we locked things down because I mean obviously the strains have changed the yeah. vaccines here, uh, you know we have a whole different bunch of perspectives. But I, I even and I'm not a germaphobe, but I remember a couple times we didn't do it that much in my house. But I remember like wiping down the stupid yeah. pizza box. I mean it, just the ignorance, and I mean that in the literal mm-hmm. sense. We just had no idea, and so I mean just talk about the the level of fear that there was about the unknown within the government. Yeah, well, I, I remember there there was a, a level of, let's talk about the level of an unknown. Uh, 
I still remember we did this large press conference with about 30 people behind a podium. <laughs> at that's just on, that's one on, on that your side of the podium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you, we looked back at it, and I was just like, what, what were we thinking? But we didn't know. Right. And so as we started to get more information, of course, uh, it better informs you. I think one of the things that we did very well was to not play the guessing game, to try to rely heavily on experts not only internally in government, um, with our experts at Department of Public Health and, and others, uh, but also experts that we have throughout the state, uh, whether through our public health schools, uh, medical schools, uh, Yale and others, and and also nationwide. We were lucky enough to have some very um, poignant individuals who were leading the charge on this to be based in our state. And I give the governor so much credit for not being afraid to pick up the phone and really inquiring and, and asking these questions to help inform his decision making. Yeah, and, and, and there's a humility, you have to assume, when there is an unknown, and I, I think it's important. We're talking with Paul Mounds, former chief of staff for Governor Lamont. We're just touching on the pandemic. I think a lot of the the hindsight criticism is tough because I think you have to recognize how, how little we knew, and I, I think, but if you look back in hindsight about how you handled it, and I think a lot of people were very grateful for the daily contact mm-hmm. because- it just it felt like there was more of a collective effort. I, I I mean, politically, I don't know how much of a choice that was or what the decision making. But when you look back on it, like what what's one or two things you were most proud of? And then, you know, what is maybe one thing you thought you could have maybe handled a little differently? When I'm I think one of the things I'm most proud of is it, ga- it gave people of Connecticut a strong understanding of what the state employees of Connecticut actually do and the work that they actually provide on behalf of, of them. There, there's a lot of unsung heroes that people don't, would never even know their names because everyone knows commissioners or chief of staffs. But people like a, a Lynn Sosa, who was an epidemiologist and DPH, and the way that she worked with many of our agencies to put in guidelines together that help keep businesses open and such. Like, people don't know who she is, but she worked tirelessly to, to ensure that the state can keep moving. Uh, people... Uh, like um, Barbara Cass uh, in DPH in terms of uh, a lot of the rules and regulations that were put into place to be able to keep people safe in our congregate settings. Those are unsung heroes that I know as someone who's a son of a state employee knows that it was important that they were got their just due because they're public servants as well, and they put, and they put time and effort on the line as much as the chief of staff does. The, the thing that I think was probably the hardest for me was um, the, the pressure of knowing that the decisions that you make can have a life or death uh, consequences and wanting to ensure that every day that you do the job that you put the people of Connecticut first, but also understanding that um, it's one of those times where it wasn't you couldn't afford to get things wrong. And so that was a lot of pressure, not only on myself, but on, on my team as a whole and the, and the governor as a whole. But the thing that we leaned on was each other and knowing that we we're all in it for the right reasons. And the, the reason was that we love our state and we wanted to protect the people of the state. Now, when it comes to that kind of thing, I mean, can you can you take take us through? Again, I'm fascinated. I didn't really bang this out in our yeah. first segment. But like, what was your what was your day like? You know, can you take me through from 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 eyes you know, yeah. open to close. Open to close. So let's take it if it's one during the time when we were doing a press conference every day. Uh, 
about 4.30 in the morning. I'm already up trying to read as much things that's going on, not only within the state, but also nationally, trying to see if there's any other CDC guidance or hopefully nothing crazy coming out of the then White House under <laughs> under the previous president. Uh, coming to the office, we have the morning meetings first internally with me, with our uh, public health leaders, people within our emergency. Is that 8, program. 9 o'clock? That's like around that? like 8.30 yeah. uh, of, of sorts. Governor about 9.30. And then we're we we have what is what are we going to talk about at the press conference? And between that, we're going through if we're trying to create guidelines. What are the various drafts of what's the previous guidelines? Who's who's taking leadership on it? Um, and going through the various protocols. In addition to that, because we had the public health um, uh, the public health declarations in place, um, there's that means we had the legal side going through, through working with various teams about what. Um, public orders should be put And you in have place. to be involved in all of I it. I have to be involved in, in all of it and just to make sure there's an eyes and ears for various checks or make sure that all the boxes are looked at, whether it's not only from, hey, have you thought about this? Or we need to give some this person an update on it before we announce it. If it's something to do with municipalities, okay, how are we doing? When are we doing a call with all the municipalities to say that we're doing this? Right. And so we have all of that building all the way up to the fourth, Four o'clock press conference. So around two o'clock, we're doing the briefing with the governor, going through all the things, things that he, we took into account from the morning. If there's anything changing, we also had people watching the various press conferences from other states. Gathering also, information. The White House, yep. just from information. Four o'clock press conference, four to five o'clock. That's when I would then go home, be a, uh, be with my son uh, and family for a period of time, and then at put put him to bed, and then at like 7.30, do it all over, uh, get the whole team together to talk about if there's any other updates to prepare for the next day, and that's from 7.30 probably to like 10 o'clock, and usually doing all phone calls in between, and hopefully I, I, I would try to get a decent night's sleep, but my brain is continuously going, so it was hard for me to sleep there. Yeah, the stress level must have been th- through the roof, and, and the thing is is that it's seven days a week. It's not five days a week. It's not 40 hours. It's, no. It's constant. Uh, we're here with Paul Mounds, former chief of staff in the Lamont administration here, and we have, uh, we're lucky to have him for another half an hour. We'll get into how you feel about the state right now, and also uh, maybe I'll, I'll press you a little bit on what's next for you. All right. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. Uh, by the way, so you're an Avalanche fan. So yeah. give, give me the major sports then, because I'm going to whip through some scores. Who's your football team? Football team? I actually don't have one. I just I just love watching football, but Trinity College and UConn, I'll say. Okay. And then what about like NBA? Baseball, San Francisco Giants. Really? What? 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 I was a Will Clark fan growing up. Oh, wow. Great swing. Yeah, great swing. Love that swing. Yeah. And what about, um, and hockey's the Avalanche, and yeah. what about the NBA? NBA, right now, I would say the Celtics because I like Tatum. Dropped 50 the other night. Yeah, 51 last night. Well, that's a good segue. Let me just quickly say the Cowboys beat the Bucks 31-14. We don't know what's going to happen to Brady. UConn men down to 15th in the country. Women fall from 4th to 5th, which is weird. Yeah. Maya Moore retires from basketball. Great player. Uh, NBA, 51 from your boy Tatum. They win 130-118 to over Charlotte. The Knicks lose to Toronto in OT. Bruins shut out Philly 6-zip. Rangers beat Columbus and Devils over the Sharks in a shootout. I'm supposed to do sports twice in the 7 o'clock hour. So that's my that qualifies as, as your morning sports. Uh, we're here. The other voice is Paul Mounds, former chief of staff from the Lamont administration, now a private citizen. Constituent Mounds, as I like to call myself. <laughs> it's right. Your vote. Um, they have to earn it. 
I, I just am curious, and I know there's some talking point Ida still in your system, so you can't totally be candid about this. And but I mean, the state, like, how concerned? I, I'll, I'll go it from a different perspective. How mm-hmm. concerned are you about the growth and economy of Connecticut when all the federal money and other stuff is is gone? Yeah, I, that's a great question. I think I think there's a lot of people who. Feel oh because we received a lot of federal money in the state that the full budget is just held up on it, but in, in actuality, uh, the the previous budgets did not utilize um, at the end uh, federal ARPA dollars. So right now there are dollars that are attributed to this year's budget on that, but there's based upon the way the budget picture looks like, it looks like there might not be a part of it. With so that, you're saying they could have balanced the budget even without the federal money? Yeah. yeah. And so right now, there's still federal money that's attributed to what to the what could be the final balance come to June 30th. Uh, but right now, the way the budget picture looks like, it might it doesn't have to take into account. With that said, there have been some principles that have been put into place uh, since 2017, continued under the Lamont administration and in the legislature that are important to ensuring that we can have growth by ensuring that we're paying down our long-term liabilities and having the appropriate growth within our budget. And I think this coming legislative session, there will be discussions as I see that there are those who are questioning whether or not those principles should be modified in various ways. And we've heard from the governor's uh, state of the state speech that he wants to hold strong on that. And I I would say uh, that that's an important principle to maintain uh, because we have seen what it has been able to do to ensure that the state is sound from a budgetary standpoint. You know, New England in general has lost its political influence nationally in a lot of ways. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in New Hampshire as first right. nation primary? But listen, you know the 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 recent history is littered with failed presidential candidates from Massachusetts. You know, John Kerry, Dukakis, whatever. Yeah. And and so you know, in terms of Connecticut. You know, and, 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 and demographics have changed. How can, what does Connecticut need to be a big growth state? Like, I mean, how do you attract businesses to Connecticut? Because it's expensive mm-hmm. uh, and you know, it's, it's I don't know, it's, yeah. it's a really, a question I, I don't have an answer to, so it's not a leading question. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things that I we kept hearing from the business community, those who are interested in coming to the state and those who want to sustain in the state is, just give us a sense of continuity. Uh, I think there were a lot of ebbs and flows and changes in policies that made it very hard for businesses to plan for the future. So that's one thing. Just give us policy continuity. The other thing that well, – What does is, that mean? I mean, honestly, yeah, like yeah, – Because like, you were there with of, Malloy, yeah. so if it's not continuity from – I mean, you are a common thread from a little bit of Malloy to, to Lamont. So what, is that, what does that mean? Well, like, term, so t- tax policy ta- needs to be – tax. Uh, I would say the big one would be tax policy in a lot of ways. Um, I think there were – there were a lot of ebbs and flows on the tax policy that made it very hard for the business community to be able to plan for the future. Um, I think the other thing that uh, the business community is, is looking for, they're very responsive to their actual employees and what their employees' needs are. And a lot of their employees' needs are, hey, is there a, if we're going to be located in a certain area, is there housing that's going to be affordable uh, for a workforce-related housing that's going to be available? Is there going to be transportation opportunities that's available? Um, and I think th- those type of policies are probably not looked at as much on the forefront in a lot of ways, but in the business community, they do look at that mm. as, as a full, well-rounded way to attract the best employees um, and to sustain them here in the state. 
Is it hard? I mean, Fairfield County is so different than so much of the state. I mean, every state has got different pockets of this and that, but Fairfield County seems more, it's more of a suburb like a Manhattan than it is, right. you know, and people, when I was in, in media, we didn't even try to cover it, a lot of it unless something ma- massive happened. So yeah. does that make the job harder to have a holistic approach to, to st- stuff yeah. like that? Yeah. Well, I think there is a mis- misnomer that because we're a small state, it's a, a, a state that's one just one of one and it's not um it's there's a lot of different not only uh, demographics but a lot of different mindsets as it turns to the state I, I think you're right Ryan I think in terms of Fairfield County a lot of the individuals in Fairfield County are mostly connected back to Manhattan or certain things are away but I think the one thing that we have seen is we've seen some uh, migration into uh Fairfield County from those from New York um we also have seen um, migration because of the job opportunities that have happened, remote working and other things that have occurred. Right. And so there there has to be this full understanding of the mindset of what is the actual population in that area and what are their needs. To And also, what can we do uh, up in Hartford at the Capitol to ensure that they actually feel like they are part of Connecticut and, and, and the Connecticut mindset? And I give the governor a lot of credit because the one thing the governor has provided is the sense of pride of what it means to be from Connecticut and to live in Connecticut uh, throughout his four years. I, we, we have to go to Mark Christopher and traffic in a second, but I just want to ask you, in general, do you think, because there were a lot of uh, people left state, like a lot of retiring and you know those mm-hmm. employees are down, do you think that government should shrink a little bit in Connecticut? Do you think it was too big, or do you think we we were... I, I think government is, is at a one of the sm- smallest sizes that we've seen in a long time, in a lot of ways. I think the question has to be, what is the size of government needs to be to provide the the quality of services that is the role of government. And um, I think that's a question that's going to be constantly asked in the legislature. But when you look at the size of government right now, it's much smaller than what it's been over the past 10 years, even five years already. Uh, we're back on the air. It's so funny because pa- Paul's on his phone because people are listening. And and uh, I talked to your – it's the same coach for you that's the coach now? or is it? Yeah, yeah. Co- so the head coach at Trinity right now is Jeff Devaney and – my uh, assi- one of the same assistant defensive coordinator I had was Lou Ecolero, um, who sent me a text message to remind me about how I played my worst game ever against Amherst my junior year. But you still won the game. Yeah, it was our 500th ever victory in Trinity College history. I gave up two long touchdowns on on double moves. I was you got Lou's, Lou's not going to like this. I was playing with a bad back spasm, oh, making so an I excuse. Could, I couldn't move. But that's all right. I came back the next year and had the best game I've ever played against Amherst and became an all-conference corner. I mean, so for for us, I mean, Trinity was like, you know, always season always ended with Trinity and Williams for Amherst. And I know Amherst coach very well, EJ yeah. Mills, who I know recruited you. But Amherst could go into that game, Trinity game, 6-0, and and then end up 6-2 and and feel like it was a miserable losing season because yeah. we, we would often lose those last two games. and. Trinity's just a great program, and Coach Devaney. I mean, it's a great, it's a great program. Coach, Coach Devaney's a top 100 coach all time, as said by ESPN, and he he's been able to have same O coordinator, same defensive coordinator, basically for his whole tenure. And the success at Trinity went nine and zero this year. Has it's it's shown. It's but it's work. I th- I don't think people realize that it just doesn't happen overnight. You got to put in the work. They, Football at any level is work. What I've realized is that, and these Division three guys, they're still burning the candle. I mean, when I I was one of, I was going to just say quickly, one of my best friends coached at Amherst for a couple of years, and and now he's back at Amherst twenty something years later. And I wonder what you think, but like he, he says out of all the sports, like 
it's not the football is not necessarily better than it was when you played there. Like the guys aren't faster. Like that level, they can't. The guys with real speed go somewhere, go at a higher level. Mm-hmm. So like the football itself seems almost frozen in time. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Well, the interesting thing I think with all levels of college athletics and football in particular is, athletically, I was prepared my freshman year. Mentally, I wasn't. The the balancing your own life. Just not only just balancing your own life, but just being on the field. So the interesting thing about football is this is if you have to think on the field instead of do, you're already behind. And I was doing too much thinking of mm-hmm. like, okay, if this person does this, oh, no, they're doing that. What do I do now? And then by the time I became a sophomore, junior, senior, it was just all second nature because it was a lot of film study. You know the tendency. You're like, if they line up this way, they're going to run only these five routes. And so now you're – breaking it down from 13 routes to five routes, and you can defend that and be a little more aggressive instead of being passive. Hmm. Going on instinct. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get, make it past Pop Warner because I focused on hockey, which I regret, but so I never got to that point because I was, listen, I'm six feet tall. I was a tackle in Pop Warner, so obviously I wasn't going to be a tackle at any level after that. We're talking with Paul Mounds here, a former chief of staff for Governor Lamont on Brian and Company. A couple minutes here. So what do you do? You 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 step down, what was it, January yeah, it was, it, was, it was actually right on inauguration day. As soon as the governor t- governor took the oath of office, passed the keys off to my dear friend uh, Johnny Doc, and and I started off in, in the office that morning. And by the time the governor took the oath of office, it was his office. You fill up a couple of boxes and get yeah, out. Yeah, to pass in the ID card, pass in the ID card, and do you do all that stuff? And yeah, you just it's time. So now I, I can remember talking to a bunch of different people at different levels. I mean, you can do a lot of things. You can go out and make some money. You could run for office. You could just shrink back. You could write a book. I mean, what you probably have a good book in you, actually. Uh, uh, but what do, you, what do you want to do, and how are you handling this next phase? Yeah, I think one of the things I learned from the various people I've worked for and others uh, who are staffers is that you can always uh, fulfill your public service soul. Uh, in various ways, whether it's volunteering, whether it's actually professionally or actually working like I did for the past 20 years. I think one of the things I'm doing right now is something that I don't think many people actually think about is actually taking a break. So right now I'm just taking a break to kind of evaluate the various options and and such and and also kind of getting back to the the usual system of like I I have not been as uh, present for – of various uh, for my family. I haven't been as present to friends because of just the focus of the of the job. So really getting back and and reconnecting with a lot of people in my life and and but also taking time just to evaluate what can be the the next public service mission uh, and leadership mission for myself. So two quick. So you have options. Yes. Like and so that's part of the challenges is navigating how to choose which Correct. option, and, yeah. and that takes probably time. And But you also want to strike while the iron's hot. I mean, you are a popular commodity right now. Coming I hope out. so. <laughs> so, but then the, the do you ever want to be on the other side? Do you ever want to run for elective office? Is that, or do you like that sort of either whether you, whether you want to be on the sort of management, yeah. sort of operations, sort of the man behind the man kind of thing? I, I enjoyed being the, the person behind the person, um, and, and I've always enjoyed that. Um, but that was in that portion of my life. I don't know what the next, after five years, 10 years, 15 years will look like. But as of right now, like being the person by the person was something that I really enjoyed thoroughly. Um, 
but you just never know. You never know what you what the journey takes you. But you, did you ever start? Do you, you didn't start this journey in public service to be an elected official? No, no. I started this journey as someone who just wanted to find the best way that I can give back to the community and the state that I love. Why do you, Why do you a Why do you love it, and why Why is that what you want to do? This state because you could make the, a boatload of money doing something else or what this, have you. This state has. Um, and the people of the state and the various institutions states have given so much back to myself and my family. Um, like I said, I was born in Hartford. I'm a product of philanthropy. Like I said, I'm a son of a state employee. So the state has meant a lot in terms of my ability to, to grow, and my, my family's ability to grow. And then on top of it, um, it it's, it's just there's something f- extremely fulfilling knowing that you're getting up every day working on behalf of the people of Connecticut. It, it was something that, while it's no longer what I do, it was something that I'll always remember. So I feel it. It's like not a talking point. That's real. I mean, yes. and and when was that instilled in you? Was that something that came to you? I mean, because you aspired to go to Trinity. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you aspired to go there. I mean, you could have gone to a lot of different places, right? So, you know, where does that where did that come from? Is it just because it, it, you had a gratitude as a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, you had a gratitude it was, for it was two reasons on, on Trinity, and I know I told you offline that I was the easiest football recruit in Trinity's college history. Um, it was this. It was one, someone being a kid growing up in Hartford at the time with two parents who only had their high school education and the way my parents talked about Trinity. I know some people talk about Ivy League institutions, other institutions. You know, like if you lived in Michigan, that way people talk about University of Michigan, that's how my family talked about Trinity. Hmm. To say it was almost looked like as it's what's once an unattainable goal, but we can make an attainable goal. And so I wanted to do that and kind of check that box off on behalf of my family. And second, um, and this is probably like a public service announcement for Trinity, has the best public science, uh, political science department, um, I think, of all of uh, schools in the NESCAC and possibly this region. And the fact that it, it allowed you to not only learn the academic side of policy and public science and political science, but also to apply it through internships at the state capitol and throughout the capital city. Yeah, I mean, I took a, I was, I, I started doing a degree in public policy. I think I took a class with Sandra Key Borges there uh, way, way back in the day. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a great place. Well, Paul, a couple things. One is I hope you come back and we can shoot the breeze on a bunch of yeah, other stuff. To. I really enjoyed it. And, and, you know, it's a thing. You didn't serve in the military, but you did a lot of work the state of Connecticut, so we appreciate that. And politics you. aside, you know, I don't agree with everything the Lamont administration did, but I definitely respect the hard work that you put into it. So it's really good to spend some time with you. No, I appreciate it. And thank you. I'll definitely be back and give some football picks as well. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that for sure. Uh, Paul Mounds uh, spending time with us, former chief of staff with uh, Governor Ned Lamont.